0: Assalamu salamu Greetings, and may peace be upon you all.
1: Hawaii, and I feel a very, very special connection to that island. Those islands, I've been on three of the islands. Let's see, one, two, at least three of those islands I visited uh, since 1978, if you can believe that. So I want to share with you... First of all, my journey, why I feel so connected to Hawaii, and why what's going on right now is so important for us to hear the message from Mother Maui. I say Mother Maui because the land of Maui is very special with aloha, and we're going to talk about the etymology around the words aloha and eloha. Very, very important. It brings out the sacredness of that land. So stay with me uh, tonight, and you'll be blessed more than you can imagine with the truth. You know, that song by Becca Shea talks about Yeshua, bring us together. And Yeshua is the Aramaic name, Hebrew name for Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Latin name, Yeshua, is the Hebrew Aramaic, and it's the spirit of truth. My my uh, belief about the Messiah is the Yeshua that I know is a spirit of truth, and that's what I desire whenever anything happens, like the fire on Maui. I have to seek truth because right away the mainstream media reported um, the fire and hurricane uh, on Maui in the same script. That's a red flag for me and it should be for you. When the mainstream media is reporting something and everybody's playing the same script, how do I know? If you go to YouTube and you see the videos being presented from ABC, C B S, NBC, MSNBC, all the mainstream media, you can just click on it and the same script is being played. I'm not kidding. Just try it one day when there's a major incident happening and you're not sure about what's going on, mainstream media has the script. So that's where I start getting suspicious. I started seeking for truth about Maui because I've been there twice. In fact, let me just tell you a brief history of my journey to Hawaii. I married a man in 1978 who worked for a major airline. So for from 78, for the next 30-plus years, I traveled mostly free on that airline. If you go standby, as long as there's a seat after everybody gets on, you can get on that plane and you don't have to pay anything. So 1978, I went on my honeymoon to Oahu. That's the island where Honolulu uh, exists. So I was on Honolulu the day after my wedding. That was a very interesting journey because We were on our honeymoon, so we were in first class. We had champagne, lobster, steak. We just had the best honeymoon dinner on the airlines. And by the time I got on the plane in L.A. to go fly to Oahu, I was so well drunk or just high on champagne. I slept all the way from L.A. to Oahu. That's a five-hour journey. So I've been to Oahu in 1978. That was my honeymoon. And then I went to, um, went back in 79, let's see, 79-ish, uh, 80, went on my second honeymoon back to Oahu on the other side of the island. We stayed in on Honolulu for my first, my honeymoon at 78. A few years later, we went back. We stayed on the other side of the island for about five days. So there was a long period of time where we didn't go to Hawaii, but In 2003, after my sister lost her daughter to a car accident, she was in grief for about a whole year, and then my husband suggested, let's take her to Hawaii with us. So we did. We invited her to go to Hawaii. By then, 2003, I had two sons, an 18-year-old, and I think my other son was about 23. So my two sons, 18, 23, my husband and I, Flew to uh, Maui. That was our first trip to Maui in 2003. All of us together. Stand by at that. And we got on the plane with no problems. The whole time in Maui, that first trip was amazing. Not only is the weather so heavy, the, the breeze, the air is so heavenly, but just the environment. I'm giving you a little taste of the environment, flowers and the hair. Uh, necklaces, flower on the on the necklace on the around the neck, lanai I think it's called, and the food is just great. Was great, best vacation I've ever had was to Hawaii. I mean, all four times I've been four times. So the fourth time I went back to Maui, and we went to Maui because my sister in law had a timeshare that we were able to spend time in her timeshare and pay her the taxes or something. So the fourth time, uh, I went back with my other sister. And while they were in, uh, while they were on Maui, my sister, my two sons, they went back a second time. My husband and I flew to the Big Island and walked on hot lava uh, on the Big Island, walked to the, spent a couple of days there, experiencing a live volcano several hundred uh, feet away. But here's where I first, knew something sacred and very unusual was was going on, on in Hawaii. The name of the volcano on the big island they called Pele, Pele. So I was wondering, Pele, why Pele? And I found out Pele is a Hebrew word for awesome, amazing. So they named this volcano because of its eruption and its power and its awesomeness and uh, wonderful uh, energy that it put out, Pele which is a Hebrew word. Okay, As a Hebrew word in Hawaii? Hmm. Well, it turns out the word aloha, which is the common greeting on every island. Aloha. This is the greeting with the fingers. Aloha. And what does aloha mean? Well, that's what I want to share with you tonight, the special meaning of aloha, the greeting that every Hawaiian native uses when they greet somebody or meet somebody. It's not hello, hi, buenos dias, none of that. It's aloha. That's everywhere you go on Hawaii Island. What does that mean? Well, the etymology of Aloha Aloha is very interesting and that's what I wanna why I wanna share with you the sacredness of what's going on in Maui right now and how important it is for us to wake up and feel and understand the energy of that place that we are now dealing with even in the United States. The Maui, the Hawaiian Islands have their own language, basically. When you go to a luau, there's the songs that they're singing are from the native languages. So how is it that Americans got so busy in there? And that's what we want to talk about tonight. And what does plantation disaster capitalism. In my search for truth about this fire on Maui, I found out, I found an interview that was done by a native uh, Hawaiian about plantation disaster capitalism. But first, let me share with you a little information about the word aloha and how it relates to the Aramaic and the Hebrew language. So, the A divine...
2: Lord, our God. Of... The awareness of God, not only within, but all around us, in everyone and everything. God speaking to everyone and everything, with no one excluded, not even the evildoer. This is an invocation of the awareness of God, such that it is the source of agitation, difficult for us to conceive. This is the manifestation of boundless compassion of unconditional love and the gathering of all into the One. In this name, we come to understand that all have a communion with the Holy One, whether they are aware of it or not. You're going to hear three names of God. Eloah, which means our God. Elohi, my God. And Elohinu, your God.
3: Aloha. Aloha.
1: time uh, because I I think I had the volume down at the beginning but if you're listening closely, Aloha is the Aramaic name for God and what you just heard, the chant that was done that's the type of chants that have been going on in Hawaii for many years hundreds of years and the people of uh, Hawaii are experiencing this plantation disaster capitalism, have been for many years And this flame that we're seeing is a wake-up call. But let me tell you one more time the divine name of Eloah.
2: Eloah, our God. The awareness of God not only within, but all around us, in everyone and everything. God speaking to everyone and everything, with no one excluded, not even the evildoer. This is an invocation of the awareness of God. It is the source of agitation. Difficult for us to conceive. This is the manifestation of boundless compassion of unconditional love and the gathering of all into the one. In this name, we come to understand that all have a communion with the Holy One, whether they are aware of it or not. You're going to hear three names of God. Eloah, which means our God, Elohi, my God, and Elohinu, your God.
3: Hello, hello.
1: important time in history where uh, the Hawaiian islands are speaking to us, particularly the island of Maui, Mother Maui. Because if you heard um, the word aloha, as I said, is the greeting on every island. Aloha is the greeting all over. And my visit there in 1978 was the beginning of a journey to learn the truth about aloha, and then pele, which both have Hebrew roots. So aloha, we're going to hear more about the root word, that root word aloha, and how it gives you the spirit of communion with everything. So when you go, if you've ever visited um, Hawaii, you hear aloha, but more than that, more than that, you are feeling the communion with the Creator. And that is why this fire is speaking to us who are conscious and aware that that is what has been going on there for years, that that name, Aloha, has been spoken over that land to bring it into a very sacred Space, a sacred existence, a sacred energy, that now we have an opportunity to tap into that sacredness, with the awareness that the people of that island, who have been the protectors, if you will, the uh, the, the protectors, the, the soldiers of that island, that are now being subject to plantation uh, disaster. So let us listen to this interview where this native of I believe she's from Kauai which is one of the other islands I visited explain to us exactly what plantation disaster um, plantation disaster um, what is the word uh, capitalism we want to be aware of plantation disaster capitalism so that our prayers our love our te- our telepathic energy is being sent to undo uh this wickedness this evil if you will. So here we are we're going to hear and see um plantation di- and understand plantation disaster capitalism. Uh
3: let
1: me play Okay, let me get my audio going
4: here. We begin today's show in Hawaii, where the death toll from the Maui Fire stands at 111, but as many as 1,000 people remain unaccounted for. As the search for bodies continues, we look today at what some Native Hawaiians are calling plantation disaster capitalism, a growing fear that wealthy interests will seize land and water resources in this time of crisis. The writer Naomi Klein and the Hawaiian law professor Kapuala Sprout, write about plantation disaster capitalism in a new article in The Guardian. They write, quote, It's a name that speaks to contemporary forms of neocolonialism and climate profiteering, like the real estate agents who've been cold calling Lahaina residents, who've lost everything to the fire, and prodding them to sell their ancestral lands rather than wait for compensation. But it also places these moves inside the long and ongoing history of settler colonial resource theft and making clear that while disaster capitalism might have some modern disguises, it's a very old tactic, a tactic that Native Hawaiians have a great deal of experience resisting. Those were the words of Naomi Klein and Kapua Sprout in The Guardian. Well, on Thursday night, I spoke to Professor Sprout from her home on the island of Kauai. She's a professor of law at Kahule'a Native Hawaiian Law Center. She also co-directs the Native Hawaiian Rights Clinic at the University of Hawaii at Manoa School of Law. I asked her to describe what's happening on Maui.
5: Well, mahalo, Amy, for this opportunity to be here. To be quite honest, things are pretty brutal right now in Maui Komohana or in West Maui people are still trying desperately to find ways forward from this disaster of untold proportions. And I'm not on Maui, I'm actually um, on the island of Kauai, so a couple islands over. Um, And I have not been there since the fire, but that's also absolutely appropriate because people who don't need to be there should stay away but send support from afar, regardless of what that looks like. Whether that means making and sending poi or writing opinion pieces or sending money, whatever is the best way people can support from where they are, I think is really important. Um, But the word from our network of folks on the ground is that people are really struggling. I mean, our community has rallied in amazing ways, and I think that that's part of the message that we want to get out. You know, that Lahaina's strong and Maui strong, that those are more than sayings. Our people are incredibly resilient. People aren't waiting on FEMA or even on the state or county, relief organizations are springing up in people's homes and their garages and supplies are coming in by boat, by plane, by vehicle when the roads are open. Um, but there are also a lot of uncertainties and people are concerned because what's galling for me is I see in the midst of you know, all of this attention and focus and resources being streamed towards Maui that really there's a naked power grab and really a land and water grab that's also underway. There's been talk already about um, folks getting offers on their homes, and I know from friends that that's happening, Um, but as I mentioned, there's also water grab in the works, and and the discussion around this really makes me fear for the future of Lahaina and whether or not it will be one that includes Native Hawaiians and other local people or or whether the Build Back will focus on outsiders. Let's talk about each issue. First, the land grab. What exactly does that mean? So to be clear, again, I am not on the ground on Maui, but what I understand from people who are there is that there are realtors and there are others who are making offers to people in their most desperate time of need. When people are, you know, desperate for funding and other resources to try to build back their lives, people are getting offers on their ancestral homes, um, lands that here in Hawaii, when we talk about ancestral lands and our connection to place, um, we talk in generations and in hundreds of years, and so our Native Wine Rights Clinic has been on the ground in Maui Kumohana, working with community members for several years now, and many of our community members have long-standing relationships to place. And it's some of these community members who are getting offers on their homes at this most difficult time, which in my opinion, of course, is is completely inappropriate.
4: You talk about plantation disaster
5: capitalism. Explain. Plantation disaster capitalism, I think, is unfortunately the perfect term for what's going on in Maui Komohana or in West Maui right now. Um, The plantations, the large landed interests that have had control over not just the land, but really much of Hawai'i's and Maui Komohana's resources for the last several centuries, are using this opportunity, of, are using this time of tremendous trauma for the people of Maui to swoop in and to get past the law, basically. They're using the emergency proclamation that the governor put into place the day after the fires to, you know, ravage Lahaina, and they're using this as an opportunity to try to get their way, especially with respect to water resources, um, something they could not achieve when the law and Hawaii's water code in particular were in place. Talk more about the water grab. So in Hawaii, water is life. It's one of our most important resources. In fact, there are many people who would say fresh water is our most important resource. And it's what enabled our people to be able to not just survive, but really thrive in Hawaii for more than a millennia. And in Lahaina in particular, this area, sure, it's special for people who come on vacation and people who know French Street, but for the people of this community, Lahaina was really the seat of the Hawaiian kingdom. It was the capital before the island of... before. Oahu. And part of the reason that that was so, that Lahaina was such an important place, was because of the abundance of resources and the abundance of water resources in particular. Before the arrival of Europeans in Hawaii, Lahaina was actually known as the Venice of the Pacific, which for folks who have been there recently might seem extraordinary. Right now, Lahaina has been desiccated and is almost like a dry desert area. but. When it was managed by Kanaka Maoli, by Native Hawaiians, it was abundant with water and other resources. So what happened was that with the arrival of plantation interest, those water reefs, and especially after the capital was moved to Oahu, those resources were grabbed up by landed plantation interests. So first sugar plantations and pineapple plantations, and later those resources were diverted to support Um, other kinds of development, including luxury residential development, and even to support hotels in some instances. And so what happened is that the vaivai, as we call it, the wealth of Lahaina was actually taken by these corporations. And so what we also know, at least the people from Hawaii is that part of the reason for this extraordinary tragedy um, in Maui Pomohana or in West Maui is also because it, there has been more than a century of plantation water mismanagement in this area. It's because of extractive water policies where water hasn't remained on the land, invasive grasses have come out. That's what created the tinderbox and this unfortunate situation of the tragic fire that took place earlier this month.
4: Um, You've raised the issue of the governor wasting no time in issuing emergency proclamations as the wildfires continue to burn, which suspended a series of laws, uh, including Hawaii State Water Code.
5: Can you talk about why this is significant? I think part of what's so disappointing in the way the governor in partnership with large landed interests. Um, in Maui Pomohana have tried to accomplish this naked power grab, because really it's more than just a water grab, it's also a power grab, is that they're specifically usurping both the law, and more than that, they're usurping longstanding and broad-based community interest and support for more proactive water management and water management that's going to ensure that the resources benefit the people. So to provide some context, for several years now, Hawaii State Water Commission has proactively attempted to um, create what we call water management designation, which is really just a fancy term. It's an additional layer, kind of like zoning, that goes over an area where we know water resources are threatened. And once that happens, there's an additional layer of permitting that's invoked that allows the Water Commission to revisit allocations and how water is actually used and distributed. This is really important because in Hawaii, we have a public trust doctrine, which means that our water resources are managed for present and future generations and cannot be owned by any individual. But the problem is that despite what we call the black letter law, in many ways in Hawaii and for the last century at least, might has made right, and in small towns like Lahaina, um Companies with a lot of influence have been able to maintain control of the water resources, even when there are interests like Native Hawaiian families, like the streams themselves, that have a higher call to right or higher water rights, at least according to the Black Letter Law. So, part of the situation in Maui Pomohana is that because of this long history of struggle, um, Native Hawaiians and really people across the community came forward, participated in public hearings before our State Water Commission, and loudly called for more proactive water management. And in June 22. 2022, they were successful in achieving this water management area designation for Lahaina. That means additional permit protections were put into place, and many folks, Native Hawaiians, who have superior rights but who rights, whose rights have been ignored, were able to come forward and begin a permitting process. Unfortunately, those existing Water use permit applications were due on Monday, August 7th, and the fire ravaged Lahaina on Tuesday, August 8th. And then on Wednesday, August 9th, the governor's office issued these emergency proclamations which suspended the water code. So despite this huge effort to try and put this additional protection in place, which of course was predictably opposed by industry interests and development interests, but they were unsuccessful. um, The Water Commission unanimously voted for water management area designation. And yet um, then what they were unable to accomplish legally they were able to accomplish with the support of the governor and the emergency proclamation. And so, it's unfortunate that what we see then that's why what's happening right now is, epitomizes plantation disaster capitalism, because here we have a handful of incredibly privileged, large-landed interests using this terrible tragedy to displace and to push through laws that they were unable to secure um, when Hawaii State Water Code was in place.
4: Finally, Kapua, President Biden is coming to Maui on Monday. What message do you feel he needs to hear, and what do you
5: want to see the federal government do right now? I understand that President Biden is going to be coming um, into Maui very shortly, and I hope what he will see and what he will learn and what he will support is the resilience of the people who are on the ground in Maui right now. The community members like council member um, Tamara Palton who are doing so much with so little. Um, I hope he will see the resilient spirit of our community members and the tremendous need because we need lots of support um, from the federal government in a whole range of areas. I hope he will also um, see some of the pol- political shenanigans that are taking place and understand that if we really want to protect the things that make Hawaii truly special, we can't just throw out all of the, all of the laws and other things that help to protect our resources um, when disaster strikes. We as a community need to circle up. We need to come. To together and we need to um, lean into each other and really look to and embrace the principles that have innate like aloha aina that had have enabled us to thrive here in Hawai'i for a millennia.
1: So um, if you have any comments or questions, press one if you're in the studio. Well talk radio studio. If you're on uh, YouTube channel, just uh, we're live now on uh, YouTube channel. Uh, Put your comment there, and I'll read it here on my uh, stream yard. Or if you're on Facebook, those are the ways that you can communicate uh, to um, Blog Talk Radio or Soul Purpose Healing. Uh, And we're going to be going to a commercial break shortly as soon as I hear from my executive producer. But I want to... Emphasize tonight Etymology Etymology is important In understanding Not only the words that we Speak from our mouth having power But the words Like aloha Aloha That have been spoken Over those islands for many Many years now And the etymology of eloah eloa, which is the Aramaic, Hebrew word for our creator. So the spiritual battle that, if you're you're listening closely, the spiritual battle that's going on is a battle between plantation or large landowners creating, if you will, disasters to take over the area. I in my search for truth I actually found out uh, about an island called Lanai I, and I thought Lanai was where they had um, they had colony there at one time but anyway uh, we're going to take a break and when we come back um, we'll take your questions or comments or if you have any but we want to continue with etymology and understanding the powerful spirit around the words aloha and aloha, which aloha, aloha, same letters, same uh energy that has protected those islands for many, many years. The Native Americans, the native, not native, the native Hawaiians have been the gatekeepers and, and possibly Hebrew gatekeepers, Aramaic gatekeepers, because, Pele, which is the powerful volcano on the big island, is a Hebrew word that means awesome,
3: amazing.
1: And that's what they tagged the volcano when it erupted, Pele, which basically says creator, power, energy, and a spirit of truth. And that's where why we as Americans, and if you don't know, Hawaii is part of America. You don't need a passport to go to Hawaii we as Americans should become one with the people on, on, on Maui and send them what they need, a, a, a resilient spirit to build up that resilient spirit and continue the battle uh, that they've actually been on for some time. So let's go to a break. When we come back, I have more information for you about the word, a powerful word that gives us power because it's been spoken over that land for many years
3: now. Unmuted.
1: So I'm going to open up the mic of our executive producer, Naima Latif, and she's going to play uh, some commercial for We'll be right back after these messages. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly culture, world peace, restoration of light transcends culture, 1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com.
6: Hi, this is John Alexander.
0: And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world.
7: Big difference.
0: Watch us every day on The Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash The Media Connection TV
7: you too we'll see you soon
0: there are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same join us each week host John Alexander and Naima Latif as we bring you the educators entertainers elected officials religious leaders and community activists whose works are transforming this world find out how you can make a difference too be inspired Watch the Media Connection. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Tuesdays at 12 noon on Cable TV, Channel 19 in Chicago. and other cities, check your local cable listings.
1: I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health that's your and i'm viato And we're
3: back on uh,
1: Soul Purpose Healing. Thank you for joining me this evening as we prepare to bless the people of Maui and help them in this battle um, with the um, plantation takeover, the the plantation disaster capitalism that's going on. I'm going to share with you some more um, information about Aloha and Eloah, the Hebrew word for the creator. And it's so important that we uh, tap into this name because, it, as I say, it's been pronounced over those islands for many, many years, Aloha, Aloha, Aloha. Not hello, not buenos dias, but Aloha. So what's been happening there, uh, it could be hundreds of years of occupation by men and women who speak the language, the Hebrew language. This is what I thought about when I visited the Big Island, um, the last visit when I was there, when I heard Pele. I said, Pele? Why Pele? Pele is Hebrew. Uh, And that's what the residents of uh, the Big Island have called the volcano energy that has exploded and revealed its power. To destroy its power to move, and so when we tap into this truth about those islands, we know that there's a special, special protection, if you will, and even anointing over those islands that says aloha, eloa. So we want to give you um, some information about the, the name aloha. What does it mean? Uh, exactly. We get into. We want to get into the etymology of this word because this is what the consciousness that can help all of us in the battles needles to um, send telepathically the energy, the power that's needed to resist and be resilient. I just a little piece of of, of information that I found in my search for truth. As I said. Once I visited that island and I realized um, the number of, of Hebrew influences on those islands, I st- I'm just hungry for truth. I've been hungry for truth about the islands for many years. So uh, there's an island called Lanai. Lanai is an island nine miles away from Maui, from the coast of Maui that was destroyed, actually. And on that island is a man named Larry Ellison, who's a billionaire. Larry Ellison owns 98% of the island of Lanai. And so uh, he wants to take over Lanai 100%, but for now he owns 98%. And there's a resort, a very, very expensive resort on the island of Lanai, nine miles from uh, Maui. Front Street, all that. So think about mm, the possibilities of this uh, plantation conflict being a reality, partly because the land takeover is the attempt to take over the land. Maui have been going on for some time. And imagine if you were a billionaire living nine miles away from Maui, and right now, people can have access to that island. They can freely take a boat ride over to Lanai. It's like 50 minute boat ride. Imagine if you lived on Lanai. Well, would you would you want to restrict the the people coming over to your billionaire island? Think about that as we dive into the power the power behind the name Aloha. Eloha. It's not just any old greeting like Buenos Dias or hello. They've been blessing that land for many, many years with the name, the Aramaic name of our creator. So what exactly does that mean? Let's listen to some of the explanations of what the power of the name Eloha.
8: Deities were known in the Canaanite language as En, which is Ugarit for Elohim. The Canaanites Called their chief or main deity, El. We use Elohim, which is plural, and it means gods. So, why do we use this word for God? <laughs> The topics for today are, where did we go wrong? Where did Elohim originate? Is God or Yahweh a trinity? How can we fix this? Christian symbolism is everywhere. We went wrong by worshiping other gods like a pantheon. Today we have done similar with the trinity, but without as many gods. Elohim in the Canaanite Ugarit language means gods, and Hebrew came after this, but adopted this Semitic language. This is what Yahweh has told us to watch out for. By the time the Dead Sea Scrolls came to be found, we see Elohim is in Genesis 1.1. The Dead Sea Scrolls uses Elohim instead of Eloah for God. If we use the proper title for God in Hebrew, it would be Eloah. This is the only explanation that, it, that I see that fits into the scenario the best. Because the Hebrew language came from another language. It is easy to see how this could have happened. So where did we get, go wrong? Yahweh's people were living among the pagans of their day. And somehow it became to be used in their own language a little later. Hebrew came in the 10th century BC from what history tells us. We can get a clearer picture from all of this and see exactly why we have it today. However, this brings with it much confusion among believers. How do we decipher what is what and what to believe? If it has anything to do with the Trinity, I strictly avoid it. The Nicene Creed is all about the Trinity, and the Nicene Fathers are the ones who made the Trinity a must if you are in Catholicism. They tried to make it so that everyone would have to follow the Creed. Arius went against the idea that the Son was of the same substance as the Father in 325 A.D., at the Council of Nicaea when this was a hot topic, and it still is today. He was considered a heretic. He was exiled for a time and then brought back by the Catholic Church. Catholic means universal, and the office of the Pope has been trying to make their religion universal for a very long time. That is why he's is working feverishly now. He is gathering the leaders of the world to implement their newest version. The green version they will implement called LaDado Si on the care of our common home, along with the UN and other organizations with a global view. Elohim is now widely accepted today, and the Trinity is as well. To avoid this, I always use Eloah, in the Hebrew meaning one God, which is what the Bible tells us. The word Elohim has caused many to believe that Yeshua was preexistent, that Yeshua was the architect in everything and created everything while his father just sat back and watched. That is not like the Elohim that I read about in the scriptures. That is not a teaching that I agree with, and I'll tell you why. In Psalm 146, 5 and 6, it states, Happy is he that has the Eloah of Yaakov for his help, whose hope is in Yahweh his Eloah, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keeps truth forever. Yahweh does not lie. He gives us concrete answers for whatever it is that we want to know. It's either in his set-apart scriptures or you can pray to him and ask him. He hasn't left us without help. O oh, give thanks to Yahweh for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Study to show thyself approved unto Yahweh, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In 2 Timothy 2:15. Now let's look at the next question. Is Yahweh a trinity? Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. Hero Israel, Yahweh Eloheinu is one or Akkad. Echad means one in Hebrew, and that is in agreement with what Yahweh is and what Yahweh says in his scriptures. And it is in Isaiah that he shares his glory with no one else.
1: So this woman, for those of you who are just joining us, This woman is giving a Bible lesson about Hebrew words. Tonight we're talking about aloha, which is the greeting in Hawaii for the last hundreds of years. Aloha. But when you look further into this aloha and the fact that they named a volcano Pele, which is a Hebrew word for awesome and mighty, you realize the power over those islands is in the Hebrew or Aramaic language, the older language. So tonight, I really want to encourage you to tap into Aloha, Eloah, that has already been over those islands for hundreds of years. And I'm sharing with you some of the teachings that I found about Aloha. Aloha, Eloah, Elohim, Yahweh, all of those Hebrew words that some of you may not be familiar with, but if you've been studying Hebrew, as I have for many years, this is very common. But with this fire event happening in, on 8-8 of all days, I didn't, I didn't even think about on the Lion's Gate, 8-8, this fire occurred. And um, the plantation conflict uh, capitalists are always doing things according to astrology and numbers. And I think it's even orchestrated by the Most High that these things happen on these days because we need to pay attention, pay attention to the spiritual aspect of what's going on and the metaphysical aspect that's going on. And now today we're going to look at the Hebrew etymology of what's been going on, how that, that, those islands have been connected to the Aramaic energy, the Aramaic books, the Aramaic people for many, many years. There's no way they could be speaking Hebrew or Aramaic language on those islands without at, at some point there were people on there and, and the ancestors were actually Hebraic, Aramaic in nature because they, they, the language they're speaking is uh, is rooted in Aramaic and Hebrew. So tonight I want to just keep, uh, flood you with the understanding, the overstanding Of these, this language, Hebrew Aramaic, that has blessed these islands for many, many years. So I want to continue with some more teachings about the word God. And now, this is a debate. This is kind of interesting. I found this; uh, these guys are debating, and we're going to have debates from people. But this is a debate uh, from, uh, I think, it's a Muslim Arabic and, and a Hebrew which is what you're going to see, and we need to be able to discern what is truth. I'm going to give you this four-minute debate that goes back and forth exploring truth. Remember, to, to me, the Christ, what people call Jesus, Yeshua, is the spirit of truth, which we should all be paying attention to, that spirit of truth, even in debates like this one.
9: Most
10: Christians don't even know that Jesus spoke Aramaic. Hey,
9: everybody. I'm not sure I would agree that most Christians don't know that Jesus spoke Aramaic. Certainly many of them do, and certainly many of them don't. But let's see what this creator has to say. Type in language of Jesus Christ. Do it right now on Google. So what was the language? There it pops up, Aramaic. Now, the language is a Semitic language. The Semitic languages are Hebrew, Arabic, Arabic. So, these are probably the three most well-known Semitic languages today, but there are a lot of other Semitic languages as well. We have Amharic, which is spoken in Ethiopia, Uh, Maltese is a Semitic language, Uh, Neo-Assyrian, different types of Syriac, those are all Semitic languages as well. Now, in the first century CE, when Jesus lived, Arabic wasn't around. Uh, scholars identify an inscription from about a century after Jesus's life as the earliest known precursor to the Arabic language. At the time there were different variations on languages known as ancient North Arabian and ancient South Arabian that were in circulation but those had not developed into uh, what we identify today as the precursor to Arabic. But there were also a lot of other Semitic languages in circulation at the time as well. Akkadian was still being used in some places, though it would disappear uh, by the end of the first century CE. We have Phoenician, we have Gez, that precursor to Amharic, that Ethiopic language. Um, So there are a handful of different Semitic languages, but certainly Aramaic, uh, Hebrew, and uh, Arabic are the three most well-known today now i want you to type this in aramaic word for god and
10: watch what pops up
9: allah oh so allah is not the aramaic word for god this is just google highlighting the Wikipedia entry on the Arabic word Allah because it contains a portion that talks about the Aramaic word Elah, which is a cognate with Allah. Because Arabic is a Semitic language, uh, there are going to be a lot of words that are shared across these borders, and these are known as cognates. They come from the same root, even though they develop somewhat differently. So in Hebrew, El and Elohim, uh and even Elim and Eloah, those are words for God in Aramaic. Anciently, it was Elah and Elah, and then Elaheen, uh was the plural, at least as we find it in the Aramaic of the Bible. But there are different variations on how it was uh, written and also how it would have been pronounced. Jesus Christ, in his own language, called God, Ilah. So in Hebrew, it's
10: Elohim or Ilah. In Arabic, it's Allah. It's a word that's the same in three languages. It's not a name al means the, Mm -hmm. la means God.
9: So that etymology works in Arabic, but there's a little background that needs to be covered here. Initially it would have been al-ilah, because la doesn't mean God all by itself. That's a folk etymology that's been largely rejected by scholars. But al-ilah was then contracted to Allah in Arabic. Uh, La doesn't have anything to do with the word for God in Hebrew or Aramaic or any other Semitic language. El or Ela or Elah uh, just mean God. And then the definite articles in those languages are different. So in Hebrew, you have Ha that goes at the beginning of the definite article. In Aramaic, you have Ah, the Aleph, that goes at the end to indicate the definite article. So Arabic's uh, use of the definite article in the original al ilah which later contracted to Allah, is unique to Arabic.
10: It's the same word in the language of Jesus Christ. But during 9-11, all you heard people saying in New York City was, F these Muslims and F their...
9: Yeah, that was quite a bit of ignorance on the part of people who didn't speak Arabic. Um, all Arabic-speaking Christians use the word Allah to refer to God. So. Uh, It's really just a generic word for God. It's not a specific name. It does not designate a specific distinct entity from the entity that is designated by English or any other uh, languages' words for God.
1: So imagine you're visiting the islands of Hawaii, and everywhere you go, people are saying, God, God. God, God, God. That's what's been happening for hundreds of years. Only they've been saying aloha, 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 the common greeting in Hawaii for hello, how are you, good night, buenos noches, buenos dias. Instead, you're hearing aloha, 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 which means God, or in my language, creator. So we are in a special, special place to recognize the power and energy over those islands, especially Maui, that has just been uh, destroyed uh, with fire. And we are in a beautiful, beautiful place. I'm hoping tonight that you come away not angry, not even sad, because this was allowed for a purpose. As every tragedy we go through going forward, whether it's another uh, fear-mongering viral thing, these are being allowed to wake us up to the reality, to the power that we have within us. Of aloha, aloha, aloha. And so, if you are, if you have any questions, uh, press one. Uh, and I have another audio I want to share with you because this that debate you just heard was probably fairly common in the religious uh, uh, churches, settings, uh, rooms, whatever. People are always debating about God and and, and, and Aramaic and uh, um, Muslims and Allah and Arabic, but that's irrelevant to a degree because what we want to really uh, bring home tonight is the power that you have when you honor, oh, my goodness, I'm feeling a really strong guidance on this one, the power that you, everyone listening has, when you honor the name Aloha, when you honor the uh, experience that the people of Maui and, uh, and Oahu and uh, the Big Island and Kauai have had hearing Aloha every day of their lives for many years, that's an honor that we can pick up as Americans and then honor, return that honor to the people now who are suffering greatly. There have been um, animals destroyed by this fire. People have been destroyed, burned up in this fire. Homes, not to mention the homes that were destroyed. And we who are observing this, even from afar, we have a great opportunity to take on the name of Aloha. Aloha. And say Aloha to everyone on that island and everyone that you know even because of the power that it brings to have allowed, even to have allowed this thing to happen uh, is really interesting uh, in the divine purpose of our creator to allow flames to burn like that. Uh, And, and especially because they don't have uh, a divine, they don't have a, a, a positive purpose in them. The, The land grabbers There's mention of of many wealthy uh, Wealthy uh, Of Hollywood people Owning land on Maui And their homes didn't get touched by this fire Makes you a little suspicious So what is the We're talking about the etymology Of Aloha Or Eloah Or Elohim or, Or of the name of our creator So let's
7: If Eloha is singular for God and it's used for God at times, why wasn't it used in Genesis 1? And what is the significance then for using a plural noun with a singular verb? Well, I, I, from the way the question is worded, I assume that the questioner is referring to the, the Hebrew word Eloah. It's not pronounced Eloha, it's Eloah. Uh, and that is used for God at times in the Hebrew Bible. Um, but it, it's also in the back of my mind that he might be getting the pronunciation from just taking off im at the end, Elohim, plural, and then pronouncing what's left as Eloha. But regardless, the answer is basically the same. Uh, the short answer is that's just the way they did it. And and that isn't sort of a cop-out or a contrivance. So let, me, let me read you a, just a paragraph from DDD, the Dictionary of Deities and Demons. Uh, in the bible about this and then i'll i'll talk about it a little bit uh, DDD has this the hebrew word eloah again if, if i'll just pause here and say if you know hebrew or transliteration this is aleph lamed hey okay the hebrew word eloah is derived from a base elah aleph lamed hey perhaps a secondary form of the common semitic word il or El, God, cognate terms are known from Ugaritic, Aramaic, and Arabic, or Arabian. The relationship between the common noun and the divine name is complicated, and it varies considerably from one language to another. In Aramaic and in epigraphic uh, Arabian dialects, it is primarily a common noun, while in Ugaritic, Hebrew, and Arabic, Allah is the Arabic example, Aleph, Lamed, He which means the God, okay, al-Aliha, just a little rabbit trail here. Um, the definite article in, in Arabic, al-Aliha, is, is the God, and that's where Allah comes from, because they're militantly monotheistic, so that, that's, that's how they would refer to, to the deity. But anyway, in Ugaritic Hebrew and Arabic, the usage as a divine name is clearly attested. There can be no doubt that the more common biblical and Jewish designation of God as Elohim represents an expansion of Eloah, in other words, a longer spelling, pluralize it, though there is debate both as to the meaning of Eloah and as to the origin of the expanded form Elohim. Now, that's the end of the quote. Basically, what what that's saying is, hey, that's just the way it is. We know where it comes from. We don't really know why any given language did it that way. In other words, why you had Aleph, Lamed, Hey, expanded into Eam, well, it's obviously a plural form, but why that expansion came to be just as good of a reference for the singular God of Israel, just like Eloah. Nobody really knows why. Now, the interesting thing here, and this is a very old PDF on um, my old website. Uh, If you went up to trying to think here where where else you might find this. I mean, I I can append it to the Q&A here if people were interested. Probably, uh, you could probably go up to my SitchinIsWrong.com website where I am debunking the ancient alien ideas of Zechariah Sitchin. Underneath the, uh, or on the page that deals with Elohim, what you have in other languages is sometimes you have the plural for gods used of a single human being, the king best example here is Pharaoh in uh, the Amarna texts. Okay, the, the, the El Amarna texts are a correspondence, the Amarna tablets between Egypt and people in Palestine, uh, where, because Palestine is under the, the overlordship of Egypt at the time. And the language they use to, to converse is Akkadian. That was the international language of correspondence. And you actually have Pharaoh, again, who's conceived as a deity, but everybody knows there's only one Pharaoh. It's Pharaoh, okay? Pharaoh is referred to as Ilanu in the Amarna texts a number of times, and Ilanu is the Akkadian plural for El, gods. That's just the way they did. Why do they do that? Nobody really knows why they did that. Now, probably, I, I think it's a useful illustration that the answer may be as simple as this is, this is a device we are using to convey honor. In other words, it's an honorific, uh, what, what you know, philologists call an honorific feature of a language. Why else would you refer to Pharaoh uh, you know, as, a, as a plural, as a deity as opposed to a single divine being? Well, you want to make sure that, that he knows, that you know or you think he's just awesome, okay? And so you sort of up the ante rhetorically. By using the plural? Well, again, that happens. Ilanu of Pharaoh is a very good example, very well-known fair uh, example to people in Semitic languages. And so, you know, some say, well, that's probably what's going on with Elohim. But, but the, the honest answer is nobody really knows for sure why this is done. Now, let me illustrate why that sort of is what it is. Why do we use capital letters mixed with lowercase letters? Why do we do that? The answer is because we do. Somebody, somewhere, at some time, decided on that convention and it stuck. So that's what we do. Why did Greek scribes move away from uncial spelling? That's all capitals. To use minuscules. Well, there may have been some pragmatic reason. Maybe minuscules are faster since it's kind of a cursive. Okay. But somebody had to decide to just do that and then the old way just went away. And this is what happens with languages. People decide to do things for a particular reason, reason that may not be discoverable to us with any certainty at all. Now we, we can look at it, and scholars look at this one. They know where it comes from. They know what happened. But we don't really know what went off in somebody's head to start that process. Now, Elohim, let's go back to the, the question about Genesis 1. Elohim would not have been confusing to any Israelite able to read Hebrew. So proposing another form would make it better or make it simpler or make it more comprehensible is just not true. It's not coherent, because it would not have been complicated or fuzzy or unusual for an Israelite. It's only not clear to modern people because we're moderns. and They're very used to the convention. There's no ambiguity about the term. There's no ambiguity about the grammar. Everybody who, again, would have been a reader of Barashit, you know, bara Elohim, you know, in the beginning God created. Everybody knows what that means. So there, there, there's no point to talking about, well, it would have been clearer if it would have been Eloah. No, it wouldn't have. It was just as clear with Elohim. Again, clear to them, but not clear to us.
1: So if you just joined us, um, we're going to take a commercial break. But we're talking about... Um, the power of the word aloha, which is, has been used in Hawaii on every island for, I don't know, the last few hundred years or so by the native Hawaiians. Aloha, if you've ever, if you haven't, I'm curious to know if any of you have ever been to Hawaii. I've been four times. And so when I thought about my journey from 1978, I went there on my honeymoon uh, several years, uh, three or four years later, I went back to Oahu, to the other side of the island, and then in um, 2003 was the first year I went to Maui with my sister and my two sons. I had I had two sons by then. And then after that, I went again with my other sister and my two sons and my husband. Four trips to different islands in Hawaii. In fact, three, I've been to one, two, three islands in Hawaii. And Maui really hit home uh, to my heart and to my mind to feel the pain that they're going through. Because if you've ever been to Maui on Front Street, the whole place is just heavenly. And the tree, there's a banyan tree there in Maui. I understand it survived. It is just awesome to look at. The air is awesome. Everything is awesome about Maui. And here we have what's called plantation disaster capitalism. Which is basically the greed of, of wealthy individuals and, and corporations. As I talked about on Friday, we are being so um, attacked spiritually and physically by corporations' influence of greed, plain just plain greed. So we have the power through the word elo, aloha and aloha, aloha, the Hebrew Aramaic word to telepathically send help to the people of Maui. Because they've already been covered by this word for hundreds of years, which I'm sharing with you the meaning, the etymology of this word, and the power behind the word aloha. So we're going to take a break, um, and we'll come back with – I have one more audio I want to share with you about the name of the creator, aloha, which is the same as aloha, which has been spoken over – the people and the visitors and the tourists in Hawaii for many, many years. And now this is our chance to plug into Aloha and use it for the battle that the Native Hawaiians are in right now.
7: So we'll be unmuted. right back
1: after these messages. I'm opening up the mic of our executive producer, Naima Latif. who's going to play us the um, commercial for this half hour.
0: we have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years 50 years from now the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults many of whom are yet unborn our mission is to nurture them in childhood with love guidance and protection and to raise them in healthy happy families if we impart values of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. Go to www.naimalatif.com That's f.com.
4: If you could live to be 120 years old and remain active, healthy, alert, and vibrant, our bodies are made up of cells that are constantly rejuvenating. So if we take proper care of our cells, we can literally defy aging. Join us every Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time to learn about self-cell care We'll help you achieve a breakthrough in your health today.
3: Muted. Welcome
1: back to Soul Purpose Healing, where we are bringing um, every soul who listens, every soul who connects back into alignment with the creator's love, compassion, wisdom, and truth, 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 truth. We have the opportunity tonight to really tap in to the reality and truth of the word aloha, which, as I said, has been spoken all over the islands for many, many years. And now we know from my own personal experience that Pele Pele, the, the uh, volcano energy on the big island, is a Hebrew word that means awesome and powerful. And now we know aloha is also a word that describes the creator, Eloah, the Aramaic word aloha. So we're looking into the wisdom of Eloah and aloha that bring us into communication and closeness with the people of Maui who have been, been over this spirit for some time. So his one more uh, perspective on aloha, the name of Yah, of the name of our creator, uh, and the wisdom behind it. This teaching is about the wisdom behind speaking aloha in Hawaii or anywhere else and what that means for us.
11: Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. So we'll look at another Name of God. Now remember, we're looking at the names of God. They're really more like characteristics of God, but it's just to let us know more about God, who he is, his role towards us and us and our role towards him. I think these names or these descriptions, these characteristics really give us a better grasp on who God is to us. So. I want to look at Aloah. Now you can see on the screen it's spelled E L O A H. It's Aloah. That's the best pronunciation I'm going to do. I'm sure someone who really speaks in those Hebrew would make fun of me. That's okay. <laughs> I don't have any problem with that. So, but the English for this is God. So many of these names we translate to God and. That's just the way it's going to be, but there are different names, and they have slightly different characteristics or meanings. Not that they don't mean God, but just in the way they are describing God. So, for this one, you can see where I have the the Hebrew. I'm not even going to attempt to do anything with that, but that is the Hebrew characters. Uh, The transliteration, I'm not sure that I see a difference in those two, but the the uh, interlinear Bible that I'm using showed these two different as if they're two different things they look the same to me same with the phonetics they look basically the same to me but maybe language maybe to a, a true language scholar they look slightly different I, I didn't see a difference nonetheless a good example of this now let me back up for a second aloha is used about 50 times in the Bible and I think they say about 40 of those times are in Job. However, there's a couple of examples from Psalm. I'm going to have this example from Psalm, and then I will also have an example from Job. But in Psalm 18, verse 31, I'm not doing the whole Psalm. I'm looking at just verse 31, which has our example. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? Now, Eloah is the first God in this verse, where it says, for who is God? That is, Eloah. For who is Eloah except the Lord, and the Lord is Yahweh, and who is a rock except our God? And here they use the word Elohim, which we'll get into that later. But that first example, for who is God, who is Eloah, the use of Here in this verse, it is referring to God as deity, the only deity, the one who we can trust and rely on. There is no other. It is talking about for who is God, who is deity, who is like God, no one, right? That's the idea. For who is Aloha, who is deity except Yahweh, except the Lord, and who is a rock except our and this is saying our God so the example from job is is a different example now Job is a different book, so it's it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit different. This is job chapter three verse four May that day job is. Cursing the day he's born, this is after all the bad things have happened to him. So I want you to understand the context in which Job is saying this. He's talking about the day of his birth and basically cursing that and wishing he had never been born because of all the things that had happened. Now, I'm not going to go through all of Job, but there was a lot of bad things that happened to Job. Job chapter 3, verse 4, may that day be darkness. May God above not seek it nor the light shine upon it. Here, like I said, Job is regretting being born and, you know, basically saying, let God, and that's Aloha, that's Aloha. In other words, let the deity, let God above the God in heaven not care about that day. It says not seek it. Some translations will say not care about that day, and I think under this context that makes a lot of sense. So Aloha is referring to God as deity, as the deity, not like there's any other, just like God is the God. He is the only one. Our language, we really only have a couple of words, like we have God, and that means God. Um so it's kind of hard for us to relate to the fact that Hebrew has some multiple words that refer to God in slightly different ways. So that is just something that I'm trying to go over and kind of express here so that we can see some of these characteristics. And I hope that is helpful and encouraging to realize and to note and just, you know, he's making a distinction here in that God is. The deity. He is the one. So he is the God in heaven, and there is no other. So we will continue on with some different names later, but I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day.
1: So if you have any comments, questions about these perspectives, they're not all 100% uh, uh, valid, I would say. Because um, anytime I hear someone refer to God as a he, it represents to me a very immature uh, spiritual perspective Uh, because God is not a he. In my belief, in my experience, we're not talking about a he God anymore. We have to look at the creator, in my opinion, as multi-gender. And... Physical existence is nature, in my opinion. The Creator, uh, in in this instance, Eloah, in Aramaic, tells us that uh, our Creator, in one language, Aramaic, which is ancient, and it's the language that it's believed that Christ, spoke the Jesus, the Yeshua, the Messiah, who if he walked on earth, he was Aramaic, and so uh, that language. Uh, It's been used in Hawaii for many, many years, many, many years. I don't even know. I haven't done the research to to realize how many years has aloha been the greeting in the Hawaiian Islands. All I know is my visit there in 1978 and then moving forward all the way to, I guess the last time I visited was about 15 years ago. And that's when I saw Pele. As the volcano name, and realized that was a Hebrew phrase, and I started looking into all the Hebrew words that are spoken on that island, and they're not called Hebrew at all; they're just Hawaiian languages and and they have their own language. The question for us is, who is God in your life? who is the creator in your life? Who is spirit in your life, and how powerful is the spirit? To assist the Hawaiian natives in this battle that they're in uh, for the plantation takeover. Basically, we've got corporations, not only in America, but in Hawaii. Hawaii seems, in, in many ways, it's a whole different land, uh, a whole different country. It doesn't when you're there, it doesn't seem even seem to be quote American, but it is uh, on the part of the American government. Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, but the uh the government there has become corrupt, just like the government here. the same same uh, business is going on, cronies, uh, lobbyists, interests in Hawaii, the interest of billionaires, wealthy people is that is at work, I believe, in Maui, and, and do your own research there's something called DEW that's being talked about a lot now as uh maybe the root cause of the fires on Maui and it's the cause of many fires all over the place DEW if you know anything about DEW I don't want to go into that uh with had, had, taking a risk of being censored but this is being talked about all in on Telegram and other platforms even on YouTube actually I've seen Several videos talking about DEW being used to start these fires versus hurricanes. Because as I said at the beginning, what was a red flag for me about Maui was all the major mainstream media, all the major news networks who had the same script going at the beginning of this last week, 8-8. Eight, eight. Ah, that's a, that's a big number to start a, a fire, right? But on 8889, 8, all the MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, they were all speaking the same words about what happened on Maui. Red flag, red flag. That's how you know they planned this maybe, and they have an agenda going that is not for the benefit of the people on that island. So many people have lost their lives. It's probably maybe in the thousands by now, people who haven't been located. But I want to go into some meditation and prayer for us to really take in the energy of aloha, Aloha and creator's love, creator's power to help the people of Maui in this battle against plantation disaster capitalism. We as uh, Americans can do this when we understand the power of words, aloha, for instance, that's already been over. You might be wondering, well, why would the creator even allow such a disaster? We could say that about any kind of circumstance that we go through that's uncomfortable. Why is this allowed? To wake us up for one, right? To wake us up for one, to make different choices. And hopefully the people of Maui right now are looking at their choices that they've made over the last several years and thinking, what do we need to do going forward? So there's a song I keep thinking about, um, a love song to the earth. Uh, Hawaii is such a beautiful place. If you've never been, put that on your bucket list to experience. Oahu is very commercial by now, I don't know, Maui, Kauai, some of the others might be more commercial as well. But for me, going to Hawaii those four times was the best vacation I've ever been on. And I want to encourage you to take that journey if you can, because it is such a miraculous place, healing place, peaceful place. So many things about nature, which is aloha. Eloa is nature and in its finest that's what Hawaii is. So let's listen to Earth's love song to get in the mood for a meditative uh prayer energy to send to the people of Maui to help them in this battle that they're on. We wanna honor to... earth love this is a we want to continue this love song to maui um as the people come together to rebuild and to continue to bless to bless the earth of maui the hawaiian islands where there's so much beauty, so much love. I thought I saw a hand up. Uh, nope, they went away. But if you have a question or comment, we are in the last half hour of the show. And I know I've given a lot of information, especially about the word aloha and Eloha that brings us to a consciousness, a consciousness of the power of words, number one, And the reality that over hundreds of years people have been speaking a word that many of us didn't know the meaning of, but now we do. And so we don't have any excuse to really um, connect to that word aloha and use it for the glory of our creator and the universe and use it for the benefit of the people of uh, Maui. Bring them to peace, to bring them to healing, there's a lot of healing needed now, as I'm sure you're aware of for the people who have been living on that island who have just gone through what they went through, and it's our job to have observed it from a safer place here in the United States. We might be going through something similar very soon, but this is our time to practice sending out the healing energy that's needed, the love energy that's needed. And now the consciousness and awareness that aloha is a word that we can use here and tap into the power that's being used over there as well. So we've got a caller with hand their hand up, uh seven oh six two oh two, that's uh, Brother Kwame Horace. Welcome. How are you this evening?
10: Very grateful and thanks for asking. And how is yourself, Beata?
1: Doing well It's a little warm here still But I'm comfortable <laughs> not complaining
10: Oh, <laughs> well, good You know, we're going to be wishing for this Well, not down there But up here We got only another month And you'll be going into You know, the fall equinox But what Yeah What I'm looking at is You're looking at the word aloha And that some say it means breath And some say it means the creator but the word Maui, this island, which was given the name Maui by the discoverer of Hawaii, Hawaii and he discovered it and he named that island after his son, who what meant was a demagogue, who was to mean the trickster, the trickster god, and that's what the word Maui means. So you're looking at the word aloha, that is the language that they speak in the greeting and saying that's the book. So the part of what you're looking at is what is the island's name? What does it mean? It's a trickster. It's a demigod.
1: So the reality is they've been a spirit of fusion uh, in their in their efforts to be aloha, which aloha to me is just meaning spirit of creator, breath of creator. Let's just say breath of creator. If you ever go to Hawaii, there's no air conditioning. The breath of the creator is everywhere. this breathe breathe, heavenly breeze is swirling Why around the, you. Well, so it's a, aloha. Aloha says that the spirit, the breath of the creator is there, but what you bring in about Maui, is the trickster is also there. And so there's been this conflict from day one. When Maui shows up as a name, then you have – but yet the people, when you go there, you still have great peace there. There's there's the crime rate is low there. Uh, you have great peace there. You're, the air is, has been clean there. And now maybe the trickster uh, is the reason or the the energy behind – this type of, of evil that's going on now with fire.
10: Well, really, if you look at Hawaii, the islands there, is from volcanoes. So they're all the the formulation of the Big Island, Maui. All the islands are formed from volcanoes. That's right, how all of that right. land mass got to be. So that's inner Earth land.
1: absolutely
10: because, so and so what what we're looking at is okay it was formed by fire now it was burnt away by fire so now what is the next part of the trickster that is what it's named for so we look at you know praying for the people but they have put in some people saying that it's the new Super smart city that's going to be for the richy rich to come there and have their island for their comfort, like they have the big island. Because basically, if you look at the population in Hawaii, it's like the Native Americans here. The Native yeah. Americans are not in, in, in so much in ruling part. It was made a uh, part of the United States because it had to have landmass outside to protect the Pacific. That's what it did. The right. same way they did with the Philippines. They grab land so they have protection that the waters that surround the the island, the Turtle Island, they want protection by having these places. That's why they so much wanted Cuba, but Cuba was taken over by the Africans and the indigenous people and so they didn't allow them to bring democracy into that that country. So we're looking at you know, all of the islands that even surround that because that's the only island outside of the Pacific coming from coming out of North I mean, coming out of California, what is the first island going up? It's Hawaii. That's the protection island. That's why it was bombed with Pearl Harbor because they use it as a military base. They had strategic way that they protect themselves by taking different lands from people in order to have their Island protected this this turtle island that they stole protected because it wasn't until the fifth you know that it became a state. It's like Guam or the Philippines Puerto Rico is is a Commonwealth. Guam is a Commonwealth. Hawaii was part of Conrad then it became a state. Alaska was bought from Russia and here we are. Alaska connects through that ice that forms that goes around. It's connected to Russia, the Siberia. They just make invisible lines, but it's still part of Russia. We got to study geography.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because geography tells us a lot about uh, the people, not just the people. But how the land was formed, and as you say, even name the names that people have given these lands, is kind of a clue to the events that happen, like fire and uh, destruction. The names can create uh, a powerful, like the name Aloha. That name is crea- has created up uh, up until now a very peaceful, beautiful place to visit and reside in. But now. Uh, this land is has the, the land and the, the cars and the things the material things of the land have been
10: destroyed but, but now all that, was
1: bought, all that was bought
10: there because they didn't manufacture all of that was brought on a ship to that island everything that basically that they use is brought that's why it's so expensive to live there is because everything basically is imported in all the, the right. luxuries and things that they want. So this is what they want. The rich want their own space in that area that they want to be able, just like they build building the billionaire uh, mile in New York. The billionaire mile, because in Chicago, what did we have? The magical mile as well. The millionaires would live that. Now they're building areas for billionaires. See, that's that's what we're looking at, is that the resources of abundance, that they come in and say, we want this. And so they'll create a way for it to be destroyed so they can rebuild and say, I got my building. They'll put their name on a hotel and put it up there, Trump Tower will
1: be on Maui. Well, uh, we can turn it around, though. They have their agenda, and we can turn it around. Just I was thinking about Cuba, having just visited Cuba how you were saying they they shipped those material goods to Maui and they built this uh, rich man's neighborhood. But in, in Cuba, they limited the amount of goods that would come in to uh, Havana, and now you have a great deal of poverty there, unfortunately. Why? Because the minds and hearts of men... Are what's creating the poverty there, and the same uh, with in a contrast. It's interesting contrast with Maui, uh, the island of Maui, and the island of Cuba. You have a lot of poverty on Cuba, but Hawaii, there's there the poverty is limited or but minimal. I got to look,
10: but what I got it. You just came back from Cuba. Cuba has their universities and medical schools that teach there, and they don't pay for medical. They don't have the the, 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 the medical industry that we got in this country. You get sick, right. you can just go to a doctor and you can be treated and you ain't got to worry about no big bills coming to your house. They don't have to have that type of insurance on that because it's according how do you value what you value. And, see, we look yeah. at it as, oh, we got this and we have this, Some people say, I'd rather not have that in order not to have that headache.
1: Right. So the people in Cuba, they have their uh, education paid for, okay? And then you come out of that education and you're making $45 a month, but probably having many things uh, supplemented by the government. But there is not a lot of... uh, of, uh, Hey, there aren't a lot of patients, from what I understand, in Cuba or Havana. The, the doctors, evidently, from what the discussions I was having, the doctors are basically sitting around doing nothing because they don't have a lot of business, quote, business, be, meaning patients, coming in. So the poverty, it's, it's really funny, the poverty, not funny, but interesting how the poverty in Cuba, in many ways, is a blessing, because they're not right. eating all the crap that we eat here, and yet we have hospitals that are full of, of cancer patients and arthritis patients. And Hawaii's probably the same. place. the You got so much wealth and food and material goods that it's causing people to develop diseases. So is it, on the,
10: go ahead. Say, yeah, but what, and you're looking at something. You've got a country here that's you got diabetes, you got heart conditions, you got folks that's obese, you got mental health problems, you got a people that you look at to say is poor, but they don't have all of those those factors in their in their culture living.
1: So there's a there's a balance that needs to be reached in any culture that you as you say what is pro, what is most important to you. Uh, in your in this society to have uh you know a peaceful neighborhood growing your own vegetables and have health and or to have money lots of money and you can go to any grocery store and get lots of processed food and your but, emergency uh, room are full uh so right. again the, the 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 idea tonight is to look at the blessings of Hawaii and Maui especially that the many of the, the natives have enjoyed up to this point that are now trying to be taken away a home for instance the people in Maui who have had homes for uh, more years have lost that now and that was the joy that was the peace that was the the uh, the love that they had for that land of, of Maui that they had a house and on the beach or near the ocean and uh, that's the life to live if you can afford it. But now there's a shift going on. There's a shift in priorities and values, and and we all are being called to reevaluate, to reassess what's important in our life. because the 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 land grabbers, the, the capitalists, the plantation capitalists causing the conflict are really forcing us to do that. So we can we don't really look at the, Plantation disaster, capitalism is a negative, but a time to reassess and priorities and make a shift in what's really important to us. And in the meantime, bless those people in Maui who are having to make this adjustment that have been there for all these years, protecting and 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 uh, being the kid, the land, care, the care, caretakers of that land in many ways. So here we are in uh, on August 20th, 2023. Let's see. We're looking at the number eight. Eight's a new beginning for all of us to review and consider how can we help our brothers and sisters in Maui, and then how can we uh, make changes in our own life for this temple that we live in, for our souls on
10: but you got to look at something, Viata, because I just pulled. Out. I'm just curious. Do you know the demographics of Hawaii? Because the demographics, the, pop- the demographic population of Hawaii: ten point nine percent population was Hispanic, twenty one point four percent were white, one point nine percent were black, zero point two American Indian, Alaskan Native American, forty five percent, and Pacific Islanders So you're looking at Basically the native people That was the original people There are in the lesser Of the population Asians because Asian, Right Asians, white We're only 1.9% Of the population of Hawaii Who's we? Black people
1: Oh yeah, they they have never been a large pro, pop, percentage of the population there. Right. It's always been it's always been Asians. I think uh, more Asians than any other uh, group of people. And uh, so the 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 demographics is ever changing. I, I mean, you look I'm at
10: that... the. Go ahead. I'm just asking, what happened to the indigenous people of that? the hawaiian people the indigenous native hawaiians they are now the lesser just as the indigenous population of of turtle island are the lesser because of the invasion and the 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 takeover of population not like themselves
1: right right so we're all looking at that the change I think in every city, even in America, if you look at the rural areas versus the urban areas, the population demographics have been shifting and changing. So what that that says to me is we are being forced to not look at the color of people's skin, but look at our neighbors as the content of their character, as Martin Luther King talked about, and the development of spiritual maturity to go forward in this spiritual battle, because what we need is not uh, people of the same color or race, but we need people of the same mindset, the same heart, the same battle that is before us, and the people, the many people that I met when I was in Hawaii, there was a variety of, of natives that I met. And this is we're talking almost twenty years ago, the last time I was there, so you, you, when you bring out the demographic, it's just interesting to see how it has changed even more. But the point is the 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 what is the spiritual condition of the people there, how mature are the people who are on that land uh ready who and ready to fight the battle that's before them of this plantation. Disaster capital. Is it gonna be taken over by the capitalists? If that's the way it's starting to look when you look it's, at the it's, it's, streets it's and all gone. the Yeah, the wealth that's there. So they have that right now they have the upper hand because a billionaire owns ninety eight percent of an of an island that was once occupied uh probably by natives and now ninety eight percent of that is owned by a billionaire. So yeah, there's going to be a change in demographics, in places like Hawaii, and uh, who can afford to live there, for one, and you you really have to be uh, a certain kind of mindset to be able to live, afford to live in Hawaii, and now they're even making even more attempts. But what I, to and that's a good
3: point you're
1: making.
10: It's a good point you're making because those indigenous people of that Hawaiian land were making it very well on their own until the invaders and the Europeans start coming in and looking at how convenient and the things that they were able to have that they didn't have in their land. So they wanted to come to someone else's house and say, okay, I want to live in your house because your house has more uh, water and it has more, more, no winter and we don't have as much harsh climate. So we want to come here and occupy and buy up your land because we don't want to live in the space we're in. And we're not going to give you any difference because you said when King said that, but you still have homelessness, you still have poverty, and you said it's not maybe it's not as great as it was, but it hasn't made a great drastic change, what he spoke about
1: and where we are in 2023. Right, and and so our individually, that's why um, I'm always encouraging people, number one, to meditate, to to think about nature as your source of strength, energy, guidance. That's the aloha. That's the aloha that has been with the people, the natives of life, the aloha creators energy of love passion and wisdom has always been over and over over the people there. Now, this shift is coming at a very, very uh, important time in our history where transition from the third dimension to fourth, fifth dimension is really occurring. So, yeah, everybody's going to have to be making choices to uh, adapt to the demographic change uh, the loss of the home and all these things that's allowed by Aloha well, they've been allowed for a different purpose and so we want to um, we want to just make a conscious effort to be aware of the plantation disaster capitalist work, the DEWs at work and resist Resist the compliance with so much of this activity that is going to uh, change drastically the the way people live. So thank you um, for contributing uh, that that perspective tonight. I've made an to give you perspectives on the Hebrew the ek language and what it does. It mean it means that uh, the divine everything's in divine order basically. Everything has been planned uh, in a divine way. We we have chosen this journey, and we see things like uh, a fire destroying homes and people's lives. I think it's just another um, attempt to pause, pause, and use this uh, this uh, moment to send energy of love, there aloha energy, aloha always a word over people, for that means love. Anytime I was in Hawaii, when Oha was used, you would feel the love of the creator. That's the most important thing about that word to me, is that you could feel the love of the people speaking it, and the whole area always been this love. But now, this is a crucial time where plantation, disaster, showing, it's tricks trick- as, as Kwame pointed out, the name Maui even means, in, in, some, way, in some way, a trickster. So guess what? It's the its all the time. And to so decide how we're going to not react, how are you going to respond to the trickster energy of plantation disaster capitalism? That's I think that we could call that trickster energy, because what it's going to do is. Replace, displaced people uh, and already it's destroyed people's homes and what does that mean to us? Respond. Respond with gratitude for what you do have and gratitude for your whatever you have left and gratitude for the changes that you're going to make that will bring you more peace if you believe it's all in divine order. So thank you Kwame for uh, those words of wisdom and per- your perspective on this because everybody has an opinion on what's going on. The main thing don't listen to mainstream media. If you if you can, go to YouTube, uh, search for your the news you want to hear, whatever you want, what information you need. But going forward, we're going to see more. I've already seen more fear-mongering coming about the new pandemic. And my my suggestion to you again is Whatever you do don't get into fear about anything stand firm in the power of Aloha Eloha and the 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 uh, divine person that you are to make changes when you use the right the the right words the right thoughts and the right action that is bringing more love compassion and wisdom to every situation in our lives and that's what this is all about is to send more love, compassion, and wisdom to the people of Maui so that they can respond and make the choices they need to make that will keep their lives evolving into more love and peace. So everybody come back tomorrow uh, for Female Solution. Uh, I didn't hear from Zelda this evening, but I believe she'll have a great guest tomorrow. And um, just stay in consciousness about an awareness that the tricksters are definitely out there. Have your antennas up for that and respond. Don't react. Respond with wisdom and love. Everybody, thank you. Have a great evening. And we'll see you tomorrow morning with more breath work with Melville.
0: to the end of our show today but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash female dash solution you can also hear today's show on the female solution facebook page go to www.facebook.com slash the female solution leave your comments about today's show you can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.na-i-m-a-h-l-a-t-i-f.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Shashi. India, Zanyaba. Japan, Korea, Kamsanida. Russia, Spasiba. Germany, Danke. Poland, Jankujo. France, Merci. Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Egypt, Shukran, Ghana, Medassi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Nguyen Senegal, Jared, um, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukria, Afghanistan. Tashakur, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.
3: Thank
0: you. And may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and
2: God's blessings.
1: Thank you for using Blog Talk
2: Radio. That's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com the law. 18 plus details.